Hello, this is Dr. Eggman interrupting this broadcast to beckon you not listen to the new Sonic Adventure Games Club over at patreon.com slash supernpcradio. Do not sign up at the $10 DJ Toad tier to get all new episodes of Sonic Adventure Games Club. Do not support patreon.com slash supernpcradio's in-depth coverage of Sonic Adventure and those godforsaken chows. Support me, Dr. Eggman. I stand for progress. I stand for Sorry to ruin your fun, egghead, but no one can stop people from listening to the Sonic Adventure Games Club over at patreon.com slash super NPC radio. Freaks love this stuff. Right, Otacon? That's right, Sonic. I just missed myself. Yo, foiled again. Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game, the podcast where I, your host, Connor McCabe, bring on a guest to hear from them about a meaningful video game from a particular moment in their life, or maybe in this episode, a couple of moments. I have been given a bit of a preview, so I've got some information. Anyway, on this show, you might know that we talk as much about what made playing the game special that our guests brought on for the episode. We'll get into what they loved about it. Um, what they remember to this day, but also we dive into the context from their life of how and when they had this special time with it um, in the first place or multiple places. Again, I keep hinting at that. A little bit of housekeeping up top. Is it anything my guest or I plug today? You can find a link in the show notes for. Sure, you could go ahead and just go to Google and look all this stuff up, but if you just want to find it quickly, scroll down in your podcast app and you can click a link to whatever we share, including... This frickin' podcast is all over social media, folks. We can't get enough of this stuff. You can check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Blue Sky. Yes, we are part of the elite uh, over there on Blue Sky. So uh, if you want to see what episodes we have coming out each week, check out the art I make for every episode, or learn a little bit about our guest and how you can support them, you can check us out on any of those platforms. You can also join the Discord that we have for this uh, podcast network if you want to have wonderful conversations with some other great people about all sorts of stuff, video games, music, who knows. Let me go ahead and click the Discord here. Let's see, what's a channel I want to shout out? Uh, well, I do like the sports channel. I have it titled We Like Sports, and it's We spelled like Nintendo Wii, so I'm really proud of that. Anyway, click a link in the Discord if you want to be a part of that as well. Um, you can also... Support the show a few different ways. Uh, the best way you can do that is uh, by listening like you're doing. But you can also rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts is the only platform that lists those reviews publicly. Um, so if you li- if you leave one there, I will read it on the show because it means a lot to me to hear what guests are liking about the show. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. Tell us your favorite episode or your favorite moment on the podcast. If you do that anywhere else outside of Apple, uh, let me know. DM me on social media. I'm all over the place i'd love to highlight that um and just give you a little shout out for leaving a podcast review somewhere else 
You can also support the show by sharing this podcast with a friend, whether they love video games in general or the game that our guest has brought on for the main event today. And lastly, folks, you know it, you love it. You can support us on Patreon. What is Patreon, you might ask? Well, it's the place where we hold uh, all of our bonus video game podcasts that come out all the time. Heck, if you subscribe at the $10 DJ Toad tier at patreon.com slash supernpcradio, you get three bonus podcasts per week. And yeah, that includes our Sonic Adventure Games Club that's currently airing every freaking Friday on that thing. Um, there's there's a bunch of great stuff there. If you like me and the conversations I have with people about video games, uh, we've been doing that for over three years now. So folks, there is a treasure trove for you waiting. That'll do it for the housekeeping for this podcast. And I'll finally introduce our guest for today's episode. So please welcome to the microphone, improviser and writer Matt Visconage. Hello. Um, also, yes, it is actually Visconage. Visconage. Uh, my, my apologies. No, but yes, not your, you know, my apologies, because I normally either, if I don't know exactly how to pronounce a guest's name, I'll, I'll do research. Like I've, I've listened to people's podcasts before who are coming on and I've been like, how do they say it? And well, Matt, here we find ourselves oh. at a funny moment. No need to worry because it's much like how maybe like somebody might not know how to pronounce the name of this game. It's my yes. whole life. It's like a bit of Visconage, <laughs> Visconage type thing. So I don't even take it. I'm just like hardwired to repeat it because I've it's, it's, a, it's I, a part of your daily life. Yeah. It's like yep. garage, you know. Yes. Um, I will say it does it. You giving me the correct uh, the correct pronunciation does add up a bit of sophistication to it. I feel like that does sound more sophisticated than Visconage. I don't. It could just be my perception now, but that's how I feel. Yeah. Well, allegedly, it was like my that side is from sort of like Carpathian Russian mountain oh. areas. So it was like actually the name was like visconage like an even syllable longer and they were like no the easier version of that is visconage so yes but you know what there's only like the benefit of that is there's only like nine other people that have the last yeah. name so i'm always sure who is family yes. with me and hey folks we got one of them on the podcast he's here uh matt thank you so much for joining me today um i know you how i know the vast majority of the guests on this podcast and if i were to count it'd probably be somewhere in the high 90th percentile i know you through the los angeles improv community um you're on herald night currently at the ucb theater um but what do you want to share about yourself who are you and what are you up to um I yes, I'm on Herald Night with Gag, um, and I also am a writer. I'm currently working on a solo humor book called The Day Job Survival Handbook that I've sort <laughs> of been um, pitching out. I'm waiting to hear back from a publisher at the moment about it, but yeah, I'm, I've been working on that and have had a variety of day jobs in my life, so I feel like I'm sort of uniquely qualified to be speaking about it but um yes. yeah i'm doing that those are my sort of two main focuses at the moment just kind of waiting to hear back for those totally that's really exciting and i a this is gonna get made and b i can't wait till it is because like i kind of have a similar experience where i've worked like maybe not quite the variety that some have had but i feel like a solid variety of like different weird day jobs you know <laughs> 
being especially like, out here it's yes. there's so many you know it's like a cornucopia of of different things or like jobs that are seem like this is the best job in the world and it's so short and then jobs <laughs> that are just like this is terrible and somehow this is the one i've met the most time with yes you know um that is really exciting though your your book sounds fantastic um is it um is it like can you tell tell us a little bit more about the book too? Are you going through like, hey, this is how to deal with this situation, yeah. or it's so it's sort of in the style of um, I've co-written before on two other humor books and that are also sort of in the style of like the onions are dumb history. So oh, cool. it's got like bingo cards. Um, it's got like um, diagrams and stuff like that. It's sort of like a a humor satirical look at. Um, day jobs and sort of the process from applying to getting it to sort of going through the job and like having to drink the Kool-Aid or not to getting (laughs) fired. So you can sort of like go through the whole thing, but it's from the POV of like a happy cog in the machine. Uh So it's sort of like a like happy upbeat way. Um, I had a piece from it that came out in December of last year, that oh, was the cool. company holiday party bingo on McSweeney's. Oh, so really? That was one of it, and it's going to sort of be things like that. Like we have um, – I can – yeah, just a, a sort of uh, a satirical look on day jobs and stuff like that. The other two books that were involved in were – had to do with like Elon Musk and yes. Donald Trump and we're sort of more like the um oniony kind of POV and that still is this but kind of more broadly towards work not like political based That's, humor. That is really fun and exciting and I can't wait to hear more. Uh def I mean not going to put the burden on you to keep me posted but I'm going to be looking out there Max. This sounds great. Sure. I'll let you know. And also, was that the longest answer that anyone has ever given <laughs> to oh, no. that question on this podcast? A, it wasn't. And B, I don't want you to feel bad about sharing because I asked for even more information. So you gave me exactly what I wanted. Sure. Yeah. Uh, no, so I'll definitely you. keep you updated. I, hopefully, I'll be getting some good news about it um, this week. Or if not, then I'll just I have a new plan to move forward after that. But I just kind of need to hear one totally. way or the other. Awesome. Well, hey, fingers crossed. That's really exciting. Um, and I'm, I'm going to ask for for more information about something else entirely uh, because this isn't a conversation that you and I have had. I think we may have talked about a little bit of your history in, in comedy outside of Birds like a few months ago. Um, but would you give me a little peek into how you came to do improv and got out here in L.A. in the first place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did um... – I guess I I went to I I'm from Maryland. So in high school there was a teacher who uh introduced us to improv and then from that I like got involved in that in high school. That was sort of like short form stuff. And then I went to University of Connecticut and yes. there they had it they had weirdly when I was there there was like five competing improv teams <laughs> you had your because own it night. was <laughs> Yeah, it was like, and it was at that huge, like, um, growth 
potential. But then when I was there, um, people always were talking about sort of like UCB. And that was when I first started doing like long form stuff there. And then I, in like November of 2009, I was visiting a friend who went to, I think like Hunter University in New York. And I so uh-huh. I saw um, a stepfather's show at UCB oh, cool. at the theater that was under like Chris Didi's. And after I saw that, I was just like, oh my God, I have to <laughs> do this. This is the greatest thing ever. And like took a pamphlet from that. And I had like, <laughs> throughout my life, I, I've been given different like ornate little chests that I'll put <laughs> <laughs> things in because I'm just like a whimsical person. Um, so I put... I, I like had it in there and was just like saving up all the money so I could do the different classes. And like, so I did those during uh, the summers when I was in um, uh, college. And like, yes. we also got to get sort of um, uh, trainers there and like did long form performing in college with a group called uh, Horse Lincoln Improv that I don't know exists anymore, but it was really fun and existed when we were there and then my junior year, I did a program that was like a study in broad called um, comedy studies mm. at Second City in Chicago. And my class actually had um, Molly Kearney, who is on SNL right now. Oh, they my were gosh, in my no um, Yeah, they were in my like subsection group. We actually did our little like acting scene together, but everybody pretty much everybody from that group because doing that you get to like put on a review basically so everybody from then basically moved to Chicago and was there for I was there for four years other people were there for other years but I did sort of like all the training programs there and was on a Herald team at IO for six months I think called dual citizen um which was fun it was like it kind of stunk that it ended so soon and also it ended right along the time where like the old io theater was moved to a new location so it Mm. all felt kind of strange and so I sort of took a bit of a break from that and got a job that was um a company that was related to Cards Against Humanity called Black Box. And oh. so from that was able to get some um, like worked there under a contract and then it ended and I was sort of like, I'm in the best position now to move to LA, especially since I've done improv here and like I really missed the UCB style of improv. So moved here in like 2016 and then have cool. been... Yeah, doing it here since then. Um, And yeah, just really love it. And just still really think about um, the like stepfather's show. I just saw Bobby Moynihan in an ASCAT and he was in the um, stepfather's show that that he was in. So he's great. He's like, it's so great to like... I've done it for so long, but still being able to be like, I do en- really enjoy yeah. watching it, you know? Absolutely. Um, but, it, and it can be hard because sometimes it's like you're, especially if, on Herald Night and stuff, you're maybe thinking like analytically, but 
it's I do have a lot of fun watching it. I'm glad. Um, uh, I'm I feel the exact same way, and I can still remember the first UCB show I ever saw that made me go, "Whoa, this is possible!" I think I've even brought it up a couple times on the show. Um, but that's that's so great. Wait, so I don't know if you got to wrap up that story. Did you were you still in Chicago when you were telling that part, or had you moved here? Oh, um, which part? So I, I, I moved eventually from Chicago to here in uh, 2016. Gotcha. And then, um, yeah, from being here, have like then restarted taking classes here, and then um, was yeah on a men's hall team, Roxbury that then had a lot of like future. Um, Harold and yes. Lisa Gilroy too was on it. It was it was amazing. I just had Meredithon um, the. Like the episode hasn't it comes out tomorrow when we're recording, but Meredith was on yesterday, so we got back to back Roxbury's. Yes. yes, I just yeah, we just had our. She's great. I feel I was I'm would be comfortable doing a scene with any of those people. That was such like a, even though the mess hall theater space certainly was unique and had presented unique <laughs> <laughs> challenges to it, I really loved that that group and like all those performers. So I'm so excited to see them. What game do, now that it's going to be a past yes. episode, what game do they talk about? Uh, Meredith brought on animal crossing, the original one mm. for GameCube. Um, mm. We've also had Mike Christian on Mike talked about G Mike's one of my best friends. Mike talked about GTA three, but I think, Ooh, okay. I think that's that the last city. He he, I think mentioned it, but he was talking about like the just number three. Okay, surprise not Ethan. I feel like Ethan might like similar games, but you can never tell. Some people, it's like they're not a gamer, but some people maybe they're a secret gamer. You know? Totally learned a lot. A lot of those people, like at, you know, especially at, you know, not after the pandemic, but like through the pandemic and like as that time has gone on, Meredith was even talking about getting way back into games. Because of the pandemic, which I know a lot of people relate to that. Um, yes, yes. Well, Matt, thank you for letting uh, for indulging me on knowing a little bit more of your backstory, especially the University of Connecticut um, information. That sounds very familiar. I'm like, I'm I can remember talking to you outside of Birds on a on a particularly fun Herald evening, and I know that came up. So that's where that like nugget was coming from. And you in know my what? Brain. Bobby Moynihan actually went to UConn too. I didn't realize what? that until. I was, I think I knew it when I was there, but I never, it no, like wasn't really a connection to me. But then after the fact, yeah, UConn is a, a great school too, because it's like, it certainly, it, it has been really not great in the past, but it keeps getting better. So it's sort of like, if you had a job on your resume that now is like the president of the United States, you'd be like, yeah, well, I mean. We were there, but like when I was there, it certainly wasn't as good yes. as it is now. But you still get to kind of ride on the coattails of that. I feel like when you get a degree from any of these colleges, that's the least that they owe you. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, come on, give us what we deserve. All right. And we're just as good as Yale. Um, and we did improv against some Yale people, and we beat them. You know, and I don't. I'm not trying to start beef on this podcast, but. Oh no! I'm hearing so I'm much saying. of the fan base get really rowdy at this moment. <laughs> I don't want the sponsors to get upset. Hello Fresh. You know what? I'm not going to step into this. <laughs> Hello Fresh. 
Yeah, a lot of Yale heads over uh, working at, at uh, HelloFresh. Well, thank you again for sharing. That was really fun to hear. Just get learn a little bit more about you. Um, uh, and, you know, an avenue where we both uh, share a lot of time. Um, but we're going to talk about your history with video games in just a second. But before we do, will you please um, tell us what you've brought on today for the main event and call me by your game? Yes. Uh, Nino Kuni is the game. That's Can't what, wait. Yes. Did I answer that correctly? You nailed it. Couldn't have done any better. <clears throat> Nino Kuni. I think it also is Nino Kuni, the White Witch, or Nino Kuni. There's another one, but yeah, that's got, mostly the first one. You know what I noticed when we're doing research for this is that the one that came out on the DS had like three D's in the title. It's like they're really leaning into that. It was like the D mm. of the D D, and then whatever the words were, and then yeah. The White Witch one was Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch. That was on PS3, so I don't know why they would have made the PS3. You're turning the three sideways, and it's and it's a W. Who who's to say? Yeah, it's probably just whatever they thought was like the best localized. Yeah, probably name because it's already such like a um, transfer ever. But hey, you know what? It worked. I I wasn't the White Witch aspect. It really doesn't come into play until later in the game. Either, okay, so. interesting. Well, uh, I'm so glad you brought it on today. Uh, I'm really ex- excited to discuss that game with you in the second half of the show. But let's get into your history with video games. Uh, do you remember when you first took an interest in them in the first place? Um, I feel like I would say probably when I was like maybe like six or seven because that was right around um i'm gonna be 34 in november so i was i was right in elementary school around like when the first pokemons were coming out the like um so that was probably where it was i feel like my my brother is three years older than me so he had sort of like i don't really have much memory of Nintendo, I would say, I would say it probably starts at like Nintendo sixty four for me, yeah. memory my memory wise, and like um, PS one moving on because it was sort of my memories of playing were the Pokemon games, and my me- first memories of watching were probably watching him play like um, Metal Gear or oh, Metal cool. Gear Solid, sort of. Yes, that's really exciting. So, like, before that time, video games weren't really, like, as far as you can remember, weren't really a part of your household? Um, They were. I would, I guess I would say I don't really, like, it, it was kind of more so the thing where it was probably, like, he started doing it, so I started doing it because i was just the younger yes. brother and then eventually found interest myself in it so i don't i feel like i probably didn't that was probably what was so great about the pokemon games because they offered multiple versions that's like it's the perfect sort of little brother game because you can it's like oh we can fight with it but also i remember specifically with those games like in Maryland, there was some sort of oddly dungeon-named um, import store. Uh-huh. So we would always play, like, the Japanese versions oh, of really? them first. But we never 
we just sort of had to guess because neither of us speak Japanese, but eventually then like we're able to find websites that had walkthroughs and yes. just sort of like guessed through it to do that. So I would say the Pokemon games were kind of like my first memory of video games uh, in general, probably. That's uh, that's very cool. And I, I think a lot of people from our generation can relate. I'm I'm I am just less than a year now that we've we talked about our birthdays off mike but uh i am i i can tell you exactly 350 days younger than you um based on based on our birthdays so very enjoy it enjoy it oh 33 is coming i'm already getting grays you know what we're embracing it yes i've noticed a few uh i'll notice a few in my hair as well and my hair is like kind of a light color but i can still see them uh hanging out there but uh anyway um so Pokemon was a was sort of a jumping off point for you. You had mentioned the PlayStation 1 and the Nintendo 64. Whether it be watching or playing, what games stick out from you that were also like early memories from those? Um, I would definitely say specifically probably watching my brother play Metal Gear Solid. Oh, yes. Two specifically Ooh. and metal gear solid three which was later post like i feel like i watched uh, there was like i didn't play as much i watched more games after 9 11 but that also may have been because it was like that was also when um metal gear solid 3 came out and that was some of those games were just so difficult and not fun to me that sure. I also was just like, yeah, I'm happy to watch that you play <laughs> this because I don't want to um, do that. But yeah, I think probably Metal Gear Solid 2 is sort of like my next memory. Um, wow. Which is, it's very weird too because I feel like when you rewatch the like clips from the game especially when like the ai is talking it's like very per- seems very per- feels very pertinent to today um Bingo. and it's just was like wow um when he was saying all this stuff you know 20 years ago and it was kind of crazy but that with that and then i would also say i did i remember one year i did get an xbox which was like pretty my xbox loyalty then began sort of i would say from then until college i didn't have anything except for like handhelds Mm -hmm. so until like senior year it was mostly xbox related games and was Um, that the like original xbox or did you have a 360 it was i think the original and then i think my brother got a 360 as well um because yeah it's like all those systems it's crazy that it's sort of much like iphones is sort of planned obsolescence so you have to just keep buying all these like extras because i think we literally even just stacked the 360 above the regular (laughs) xbox because they're all in my parents basement still now yeah today yeah um but got that and then i sort of segued in college i would say more towards like I now almost exclusively play Nintendo or PlayStation. Like I okay, actually gotcha. don't ever play Xbox again after like no 
shade intended to them, but I, I moved towards being a console game player to being more handheld because I was just either <clears throat> on campus or I was like all the various different like long um, bus rides having to take from like Connecticut to New York, which are always awful. Um, yeah. So it was more like DS, especially and especially with like the Switch coming out. That's yes. been so great. I only re I recently got a PS five and I have been I have had like the PlayStation sort of in the background as well, like when I was in Chicago, but um definitely more so play the Switch at the moment, I would say. Sure, yeah. Um, That's exciting. I I'd love to dive into some of the like I mean, I love this detail from your life about, you know, the circumstances sort of dictating you becoming more of a handheld gamer, at least for a significant period. Um, I'd love to hear, do any like Nintendo DS games stick out to you? Because I freaking love myself a DS, but it doesn't get talked about that much. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, also, when you say the circumstances, it makes it sound like I was like impo <laughs> impoverished and had to only <laughs> stick. Oh, I only had to go to University of Connecticut, a public ivy. The I really dire circumstances of your life in college. Um, Yeah, I would say it was still like I, I still even though I don't really engage with it, I still Pokemon has like hooked me enough that I'll still play every single one. So I still remember oh, cool. playing those, but probably more so I played some of like the dragon quests. Oh. And then there was one specific um I'm I'm gonna include the 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 3DS with the 3D because sure. I never used the 3D, but um a dragon quest, I think it was 11 and then also a dragon ball fusions that were just sort of like long uh -huh. games that were sort of perfect especially for any kind of like long play ride long plane or car ride but it's sort of the thing where it's like oh you've beaten this boss but actually there's this boss and that goes on for like 25 different bosses and sort of like the classic jrpg yes. type um and that kind of got me more into like i have played dragon quest 14 on um my ps4 that was sort of like the last game that i played on my ps4 um and i i also dragon ball z was sort of like the show that i watched growing up too so i feel like i have a lot of built-in nostalgia for those games even though i haven't I've only recent really played, I think, two of them, this yeah. DS version and the PS4 version. Um, but yeah, I would say it was mostly the Pokemon games on DS. The um, oh, also the I can't believe I even forgot to say this. All the Phoenix Wright games. Oh, cool. Um, I loved those just sort of like. Um, Objection, the, and by that I mean proceed. Yes, I, I I also love how in some of the earlier games you could yell into the oh, DS the to get yeah. the objection. It never worked <laughs> for me, and I think it was just like a terrible idea, sort of similar to the 3D. But um, yes, the, those games that are sort of just they're 
basically updated versions of like the Escape from Monkey Island, the kind of like point and click games yes. we probably played as children. Um, um, so I really I devoured all of those and especially loved the most recent ones that give you the option to just autoplay because the worst and I guess best part of some of those games is like that first game took me uh, 12 months basically on the DS to beat because I had no possible way of knowing what the like I wasn't paying enough attention to what all the evidence was. Clearly yes. being a lawyer was not in my future. I just wanted to play <laughs> this game. And it was like got so complicated with all the objections. And it's like the game doesn't fully punish you for not knowing something. It just sort of keeps you in one place until you can figure out what the next – what the correct answer is. And yes. You just sort of have to like keep going through things. So that's sort of like – Maybe that kind of like the grindy nature of that Pokemon Dragon Quest, especially. It's just sort of like, I guess it's, it's that's definitely part of games I don't enjoy now, but I had to deal with <clears throat> growing up with many of these games. Totally. Um, but yeah, I sort of now kind of split my time between either like the PS5 or the Switch. I cool. just completed um, the Resident Evil 4 remake. Hey, what'd you think? Uh, it was good. I rem That was a game I re definitely remember watching my brother play as well because that was like 2004. I think yeah, this remake there. honestly was better than that game for most of it. Oh, I wow. think it was... I thought the like Ada Wong character could have been done a little bit differently. Like hmm. uh, even playing, having played two and three remake, then after that, they don't really add much to it. But I enjoyed it. I I played. I replayed that game so many times after because it's like there's so many bonus weapons that you can get sure. to just make it so much easier. Um, and I really appreciate also how Ashley is not just completely helpless in this version of I it. I heard a bit about this, yes. That's the president's daughter? Yes. Yeah. Because it was so frustrating in the first game of like, she just sort of has her sort of three emotes that are like, oh, Leon, help. <laughs> um, and like she, especially if you're trying to beat the game in any level of uh, hardness and you don't have one certain unlock for it. It's like she's just constantly being grabbed by these zombies and whatnot. Like the game does her no favors with yeah. her designing and the president's daughter evidently has not been given any sort of like self-defense <laughs> classes or anything. But yeah, I've mostly been playing that. And then also the uh, Yakuza games. Oh, also. nice. Um, I played the Like a Dragon, the like seventh one first. It's the only so one I I've haven't ever played. played. Yeah, I haven't played the other six. I liked the. I played the second Judgment game also, which my understanding is it was more like the first Yakuza, first six Yakuza games. But okay. I like the JRPG aspect and just sort of like how 
insane it is. Like I gave, I d- somehow donated so much money to a child in need that she can now like join me in the battlefield oh, wow. and raise all of our <clears throat> spirits because it was. It's like you know how in that game there's like so many sub quests so many get if you get to the final one with some of them it's just like reaches you're like fighting a vacuum cleaner at (laughs) a certain point um uh, but i that was another game i like sunk so much time gladly so much time yes especially during uh quarantine um to do to do that and then there was a samurai version of the Yakuza game that came out that's like all set in the um, right oh, yes. before end of Samurai time. And I, that also I played so much of. Is that the one that, that came out this year? Yes. Is it like so. a Dragon Ishin? Is that what yes, it is? Uh-huh, yes. Yes. I've heard it. It was this. great. I got. There's a side. The side stories in that are so intricate where it's like I found myself spending a whole day just um, planting different vegetables so I could sell them enough so that I can like um, fully expand this little like home away from home side quest that I have. Cause then if you build that up enough, then it's like when you come back, you can make food for basically nothing that will like heal you yes. when you're fighting or anything like that. Um, but yes, uh, any sort of like samurai thing like that, like Ghost of Tsushima, um, also is probably like my most favorite next to the Spider-Man games on the PlayStation. Yes. Um, and that came out like February, 2020, I think, but I didn't play it until a little bit more into pandemic, but I would say that sort of game is like my ideal type of game now where it's like open it's open world and there's whatever sort of the genre is but there's uh it mechanisms for me at least to make it as easy as possible because i'm personally the type of person who when i'm playing a game i don't want it to be very difficult like i want it to be very easy and that's really annoyed some of my friends who have watched me before, but it's sort of like I'm doing this to re- – I, I personally am trying to do it to relax, not to be like I yeah. don't love having to deal with intricate puzzles or whatnot. I'm just like just let me get to beating up someone as Spider-Man. Yeah, that's um, how you enjoy it. Yes. So I do have done that, and I'm I'm so excited for – the second Spider-Man game that's coming out um, in October. Um, have you played any of the Spider-Mans on the PS5 I, or PS4? I have. I played uh, Spider-Man, the Marvel Spider-Man, the 2018 game, was like the second game I played on my PS4. I got one very late. I got one in like, was gifted a PS4 because someone just had an extra one in 2019, a, a previous guest of the show. Um and so I played that, and then I actually got a PS5 day one, and I loved Miles Morales um, yes. so much. Uh, obviously, it's a much shorter game, but I actually liked that it was like a 15-hour experience, like kind of 100%ed it. Um, so 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this next game. It's really going to sneak up. It's just a, I don't know, what, five, six weeks away at this point? Yeah, it's crazy how it's so close to, we're getting really close to October. And then we're getting, and then the best thing about October being over is that we, then we can get to the best month, November. Now we're as talking. We have already, as we discussed off mic. Um, but yes, I think I'm, and then there's also like a um, new Yakuza game too that's coming out in November, I think. That's mm. more of like a beat em up. Plus, oh, I'm also very excited for. The Super Mario Brothers Wonder Me too. and the um, Super Mario Brothers RPG, like those both are any game I can just put into my Switch and then just be like, it'll be confident being played handheld because I exclusively play it handheld. Oh, cool. I don't just because I don't. I think I lost my dock, or I just oh, yeah. I don't want to have to deal with uh, doing that. But I like to play those types of games, so I, especially any kind of like. RPG, certainly. I'm excited. I never played the original Mario RPG. Oh, wow. Um, I but I know this that year for the first time. Yeah, I know it's, it's very like, my beloved. <laughs> yeah. Now it's going to seem like a pale invitation, really. Right. Um, I know there's a puppet man in it, which I'm definitely on board with. Um, I'm pro puppets. I just want to say that. Um, <laughs> HelloFresh, you know. I want them to know that I'm pro puppet. Despite but, the yeah. anti Yale sentiment, very pro puppet. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, UConn has a very good puppet school, apparently. Another fact about them that I didn't really know until Goodness. after I picked my major um, communications, which obviously uh, is, I'm really doing well at. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think <laughs> that right now I'm, that's sort of like, that's been my game lifespan is yes. sort of doing that. I actually to go back to Nino Kuni, I actually bought the uh, well I bought that game before I even bought a PS3 or wow. a PS4, but two of those generations I really had to buy them mostly to necessitate playing this game and its sequel and I now re- look like a real fool because it later came out for switch (laughs) and i did buy both of those games again for switch and played them for switch but um i could have just kept those yeah those i feel like nintendo overall is better but if i want like an actually game that like looks and plays uh, super well i'll probably more likely to go with playstation yeah um, at least with this current generation of Switch that is sort of like entering the end of its lifespan. Yeah, there's you kind of get best of both worlds there with the Switch in the in the PS5. Um, well, I mean, Matt, that was so thorough and so like the questions I normally am asking my guests to go through that you just you answered all of them. Um, so even like games you're looking forward to, which is I was even thinking about asking you, and you still got there. So. Um, Thank you so much for giving us a nice uh, overview of your history with video games in general. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about all sure. things Nino Cooney. So Sounds good. I'll see you on the other side.
Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game. Of course, I, Connor McCabe, am here with Matt Fisconage. How, how was that? Pretty good? Perfect, yes. Perfect. perfect. Matt, welcome back. Thank you. Um, it was, you know, it was a really long break. Uh, just glad to be back. Um, yeah. Hey, glad you're here, too. Almost as long as the time you used that Xbox back in the day. Uh, <laughs> yes. And that's a callback, folks. Well... Anyway, like I was telling you before the show, we're going to do a little table setting for uh, the game you've brought on today, Nino Cooney, uh, before we get into your personal history. Um, but again, if you want to jump in at any point and share something important, uh, you've uh, the the permission has been granted, so you can yeah. do that. If you want to just scream on the mic. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, the more nonsense, the better. Um, but without further ado, here I go. Nino Cooney is an action RPG developed by Level 5. Uh, it was released for the PlayStation 3 in Japan on November 2011 and published in Western regions by Band by Namkai Bandai, Namco, I just said Namkai Bandai? Namco Bandai Games in January of 2013. Uh, this also, you know, was an adaptation from the uh, the DS release um which was uh I, i've got the subtitle here it's dominion of the dark Jin. uh mm. and those are all even though i said a word that sounded like it starts with the j it starts with the d um so this was a uh f- basically a, a very close to what a remaster of that game would have already been um from the ds version to the ps3 it was released for the nintendo switch as matt was telling us earlier uh in september 2019 and then an actual remastered version uh, was released for the PS4 and Windows in September 2019, and it's also on Xbox now. Um, in the game, players control Oliver, a young boy who sets out on a journey in search of a way to resurrect his recently deceased mother. The game is played from a third-person perspective, and its world is navigated on foot, by boat, or on a dragon. Now, while players navigate Oliver through the game's world, other players can be controlled um, uh, during battles against enemies, which these, uh, and during these battles, players use magic abilities and creatures known as familiars, which can be captured and tamed. A bit of a tie into your Pokemon uh, yes. uh, appreciation. <clears throat> yes, Some- the familiars, which are they replaced in the second game with the Higglies. Hmm. Uh, very fun part of the game, especially to feed them. All that kind of stuff. Also, I will say just this isn't a, a correction, but I just want oh, people please. to know so they're not ex- too excited. The dragon, the riding the dragon portion of the game, unfortunately, is not a very long portion. Ah, I see. Towards the end. Um, there is definitely segment of it, but it is mostly on foot and on boat. Um, but they do rectify that mistake in yeah. the second game at least by giving you like an airship oh very cool okay well and, and truly thank you for jumping in with that information uh like anytime especially as you know sometimes i'm super familiar with the game that a guest has brought on today not super familiar so like i really appreciate that um development for this game began in 2008 simultaneous to the ds version uh the game's animated sequences were produced by studio ghibli um, while the original score was co-composed by Joe Hisashi. Uh, the art style was inspired, of course, by Ghibli's other productions, uh, and the character development of Oliver was a large focus of the game, intending to make children empathize with the character, 
and for adults to relive their adolescence. Um, Mm. This is a critically acclaimed game. Um, Very, very well loved. Was also commercially somewhat successful as well. Um, Matt. uh, Oh, and it was was followed up by a sequel, Nino Kuni 2. Um, Do you have any other information or like bullet points that we need to include before we dive into your personal history with the game? Uh, No. And also I wanted to apologize. I didn't mean to interrupt you when you were talking i thought that that was the end of it i didn't realize until after you were talking more about it you were like oh thank you for adding that i was like oh no oh no now it seems like that was important information to include um no apologies necessary no No, you had permission and you you i have took it nothing further okay um, cool to until to dive in awesome well let's do it then uh let's get into this uh into this game Uh, do you remember uh, how you discovered this game in the first place. I can't remember if you had mentioned that earlier in the show. Uh, yes. I, well, so I am a big, um, like, Studio Ghibli, a Miyazaki fan. So oh. I knew from, like, news before this game was coming out that uh, it was, like, available and coming out. So I actually had, I think I bought the game sometime in college before i even had a ps4 just because i was like manifesting sort of like oh i'll have this one day (laughs) and i'll play it and i sort of then just like carried it around and then finally in chicago after i had like gotten one of my first um day jobs i was finally able to buy a used ps3 and so in my sort of like very not great but at a great price point apartment in um chicago i had like a little tv and um the ps3 and so that was sort of like when i was playing it because i also i was mostly playing it on like weekends um Mm. or just sort of like when not working so it was a nice little sort of like respite from working kind of like a call center environment sort of Yes. Oh boy. You know, I mean, is there, first of all, not to get us off the beaten path too much. Uh, is there some call center stuff uh, in your, in your book that you've been pitching? Oh yes. Yeah. I would yes. say definitely <laughs> for sure. That's sort of like where my part of my experience comes from. And it, it definitely is, I would say more screwed to like working in any of those kinds of oh, okay, um, gotcha. trenches like, uh, air let's like call center energy still even if it's not a call center but yeah it was as it was a job that was like mostly doing refunds for things people had like some a lot of times kind of like just mistakenly bought because it was from it was like an ad disguised as a um (laughs) pop-up basically um and so, but it was like, we were just the payment processor. So it sort of forced you already into a somewhat ethically dubious position <laughs> to just be like, listen, I, this is just what the contract tells me. I can't give you a refund for, you know, this spy tracker software that you're trying to use to um, like make see if your wife is having an affair or whatnot. <laughs> so this game was definitely a much needed like... Being able to, uh, you know, ride on dragons and 
go on these boats and like have these little familiars was great because I was like working. My shift time was, um, ten, was what was it? 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Oh, wow. Um, Monday through I had Thursday and Saturday off. Okay. So I had to work every, every other day. So it was like a nice just sort of like respite to come home and sort of um play the game at, at like that point in my yes. life also i didn't realize until um later that during that time i didn't have my i either didn't have my heat turned on or it wasn't like fully working i was just such a like p- able to be pushed around person and i also was just like whatever it doesn't matter and it wasn't finally until i was like dating someone that they were like why is your heat not (laughs) turned on uh so it was rectified so it was i i like i don't know if that was contributing at all to the heat scenario or anything but yeah it was sort of um i feel like this game in general kind of gives like very um cozy vibes and my um experience playing it at least the well both times honestly really the first time more so was like very cozy being there the second time i played through on the switch um during like covid and quarantine which certainly was like also also was fun but it's was less like it was a different kind of anxiety i guess yeah um playing it and like trying to escape from but i like these those types of games and like i feel like i'm sort of like if studio ghibli releases something i'll and i have the ability to play it or watch it like i'll at least play it because i have faith that it would be good um but this one especially i feel like it was it was good because it i needed an escape and it not only provided that but it sort of like fully lived up to the hype um yes even the short amount of the dragon riding which is still very cool um and is like the game in my opinion is fully worth it and like very replayable yes um, regardless of what for whatever format you're like playing it on whether it be ps3 or like or switch or i suppose xbox now um but I would never, you know, I can't do Xbox anymore, as we've discussed. Um, you had your you had your Xbox era, and it's gone. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. That was that was my Xbox era, but now it's now that's over. Yes, uh, I'd love to ask you, um, you know, saying seeing as the though you were a Studio uh, Ghibli fan, I would love to hear about like you know how and when you got into those movies I mean, you don't have to give me the full detail but oh, i would yes. love to know a bit about that since that influenced your desire to play this game yeah well i would say that when so my um my dad has had two kidney transplants because he has um got kidney disease from um like from a non-hereditary illness mm. so the first time that that happened was around 2000 right before um 9-11 happened so we were sort of sent 
up via train to live with sort of the family that was on my grandfather's side with like the two sort of cool um, aunts and uncles or sort of like cousins that are basically just referred to as aunts. So from there we watched, um, they had Princess Mononoke. So we watched that and that was sort of like the first um, exposure, I would say, that we ever had to it. And then from, um, I would say from like, college onward i really it was like i was in a very sweet spot with um both being able to get dvds and the start of streaming on netflix so through that i was able to watch a lot of the sort of like backlog of ghibli stuff that i hadn't seen um and then have sort of like yeah really just enjoyed it i've also been to japan twice and oh wow! So both of the times I've been to the like um, Ghibli museum and stuff, and um, I'm trying to right now. Me, and my brother, and I are planning a trip for like 2025 to be able to go and see because now they have like a whole park. Um, but yeah, it's still being about this. it's still being built out. So the we're waiting because then by that point it's like everything will be built in, but also there'll have been enough time where like. Other, other people can sort of like focus test it a little bit so it can sort of be <laughs> yes. the best version. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of like that kind of like art style and aesthetic. I feel like it's very um, comforting. Mm-hmm. And the game certainly has that as well. But yeah, I think probably was a very good like good that that was the first movie we were exposed to because the thing I most remembered from the movie was sort of like the little um, tree spirits that are like uh, also like naked that are kind of like running around. And I think being like 11 or whatnot, I was like both. So um, that part, that kind of, that kind of like the, the whimsical creatures that are sort of like in those movies whether it be like that or um even in this game the sort of like familiars that quarter mm. it's sort of like it's like pokemon adjacent kind of yeah. like the sort of like rebranding of the japanese like old ghost stories that they're sort of remaking into these different kind of characters um but i think yeah seeing all of that and like uh spirited away all of that kind of stuff. I think I've definitely seen a lot more of it being here in Los Angeles. That's like such a benefit here is like all the movies we can see yeah. and such out here. But I also have the like box set of all of the um, Ooh, cool Miyazaki movies right before the um, right switched from like Disney to g kids they released the whole box set so i have that and like me and my brother were sort of on christmases sometimes uh trade it with the other person so that they oh sure have it um, you get your year with the box set i then i get my year with the yes. custody <laughs> and then i was able to in when i was in chicago was able to watch like the wind rises that was like allegedly his final movie at the time oh yeah i guess now he has the new one 
that's coming out that I'm also very excited for. But that was around-ish the same time, I want to say, or maybe like a year or two years after this game came out. So I feel like the hype was definitely um, hot for it. But yeah, I would say that, that the, the whole like Miyazaki of it all was most definitely like the biggest selling point for me. Cause some for of the sure. cutscenes too are done by, um, studio Ghibli, like not a yeah. ton of them, but, and the story also, I, as you were reading it too, I was like, wow, these stories always are very like depressing. Cause it really does start with his mom just like passing away uh, this like young child whose tears create this, um, sort of like the little creature that follows him around. But yeah, I think um, that I kind of lost my no, train you're of all thought good. there we, with that. But. You, you got me where I was hoping to go. Before I ask you more about the game, this is a selfish request. Uh, if you were to recommend to someone, and, and I'm not saying me, but like someone who's never seen a Miyazaki movie, and again... I'm not referring to myself here. Couldn't be me. What do you have a jumping off point that you think would be like fun? Because I think actually talking to our mutual friend Mike Christian recently, he had watched um, one or two of these, and uh, I uh, have been thinking about them. And as you start to answer this, I'm gonna let my cat out of the room because somehow the door shut. And I think oh, it was gotcha. me. Sure. Um, oh, kitty. Um, I. Th- think that the hmm, wow that's like it's sort of like choosing your your children almost (laughs) but i think i guess it's sort of the uh, the preface i would put on this is like it sort of depends upon whether or not you're in a headspace of like um sort of like sick from home want to relax or sort of in the headspace of like I sort of want my like mind blown. I really want to like pay attention to what's happening. I would say that the movie that exists probably best in the middle of the two of those would probably be like Howl's Moving Castle. Okay. Because that probably has enough of both that is enjoyable or spirited away also. But um, I think... Probably, yeah, Hell's Moving Castle, and then you can sort of decide from there whether or not you want to go towards the more, like, serious, slightly sad slice-of-life movies that are very enjoyable. Yeah. Or the more sort of, like, um, like whimsical fantasy movies because this has, like, just enough of each of those, but it's not, like, fully... um, Okay transforming and stuff like that so i think that's what i would say they're all i believe on hbo max too okay cool so if that person who was not you that seems like it it is yeah whoever it is i'll 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 pass that info along to them but i i do info to him i do Um, appreciate uh you helping with that because i i i've been it's it's cool it's a funny coincidence that you're coming on to talk about this game because this you know has been going on in my brain before you brought it on uh anyway thank you um when it comes to the game itself um when you look back 
What do you remember loving about the game? Or when you finally got into playing it, um, does anything stick out that you really appreciated? Um, yeah, I think for sure. Like, number one, I just appreciated the kind of the cutscenes, especially the, like, Ghibli ones, because that really, like, put you in universe. But I think I mostly appreciated just the sort of, like... Um, the level of freedom that you have in both the like map overworld and also once you're in the sort of like little spaces, just how um, interactable everything is. Like you can talk to all these, all the different um, people and everything like that. I think that I appreciate, I appreciated that the most when I was playing it because it was like, um, it just felt like it gave you the most control. And that was kind of what I needed also when I was like in that headspace playing it. of just like sort of a fun kind of like drop down uh, chill experience. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, it was fun, you know, doing a bit of research for this episode of like a game that I have been aware of for, I would say, at least five or six years. Finally... It's almost like putting a name to a face in a way of mm-hmm. like watching footage of the gameplay and learning about the familiars that was that was interesting to me. Um, uh, would you I would love to hear about um, and we can continue talking about the game as well. Um, you had gotten into like a good amount of like the fun context of when you first played this game in that apartment and you've, you've started to, like, sort of build it out for me. Would you do some scene painting for me and describe it um, even further where you would have had, like, your your game set up with your TV? Oh, yeah. I would say, well... Um, Chi- it was Chicago, correct? Yes. In, Chi- in my sort of, like, Chicago apartment where um was, like, a not great area. So it was sort of, like, my... Um, space-wise, not huge. So, yeah, my bed that sort of didn't really had um that had a frame but had like no had like a separate headboard that just wasn't attached sort of like (laughs) pushed farthest against towards where the like window on the side was and Mm -hmm. then had a um a dresser that i sort of had then like a small tv that probably would be the size of like if you had a second monitor maybe for your computer now um set up and then i believe i had because you can put the ps3 sideways i think i was it was just then stacked in front of it all connected to like um one plug up here like it was Uh a pretty in retrospect it was a pretty dingy apartment because then it was like then from there it's door refrigerator that kind of doesn't work small sink stove that like also doesn't really work and is probably (laughs) gonna like give you noxious fumes then small hallway and then like a closet to the left and then bathroom was sort of like shower to the right um it was only 650 dollars a month though whoa was like still i'm sort of like "Mm." If I get the heat to work again, maybe I'll, I would take it. Yeah, it doesn't sound um, so bad. Uh, yeah. Wow. But yeah, it was sort of 
that was kind of like um, it was really the ideal scenario because I could sort of like lay down in bed without having to um, get up and play the game. Though I did have like a chair also next to my bed during some of the like reconfigurations I would do of my room, but that sort of always stayed in the area so that I could always, so it, it sort of um, added more so to the like overall comfiness too. Cause many times I was like probably half awake also playing <laughs> the game and just sort of like, um, you know, uh, like imbibing with other, uh, you know, like smoking weed or, or doing stuff like that as playing yes the game um, that sort of like, I think especially with those types of games, really like you're already in a, a sort of like haze, but to sort of like put yourself in a Even further. artificial haze. So it was sort of, it was probably the type of thing where um, now if I like looked at that apartment now, I would be like, oh God, this is, this <laughs> spells but it was sort of like uh, perfect enough where it like wasn't a ton of space but i used the small space that i had to really optimize this the ninu kuni um of the apartment yes and i probably should have been better optimizing like where's my food and where's the <laughs> kitchen but i wasn't really focused on that um and yeah sort of had that and then I didn't I had to um when I like moved out here the first two years that I was here I didn't I think I had sold my I sold my PS3 and then I I just like had no home for anything except for portable and then when I moved to the place that I have now then I like got a PS4 and that was what I sort of um had played um the second Nino Kuni on and the sort of like other games then before it like reached the end of its life cycle and I had to um replace it with the PS6. But hopeful I'm hopeful that especially just, you know, I think probably they'll see this podcast and they'll be like, we need to continue development on the third game. Cause I think once you release a sequel to the game, if you don't then release a third and create a trilogy, like that's just disappointing to me as a game player, especially something like this that's so cozy and especially with like any, like I need a game where I can just not focus on real world news and instead can worry about like, you know, being on the back of a dragon fighting sort of like, the various sky pirates that have this sort of like currency that doesn't really make any sense yes. to us. And is like gold based. Um, so yeah, a nice I think, escape. Yeah. That's what I think that the game is best for me, but yeah, that was sort of like to answer your scene panting question. Yeah. It was sort of like, uh, very TV and PS3 focused. Yes. So, uh, I, I, uh, very true to my heart, I will say, <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Um, 
Well, I would love to know. I got a couple more questions for you today. <clears throat> um, the first of which we talked a little bit about the game. Is there any other aspect of the game that you'd like to highlight while we're on the subject? Um, I believe that there is also like an alchemy and sort of like a spell feature. Oh, which I always thought was very interesting. It was always something where I immediately went online and just found what these spell recipes was because yes. i was like i don't have time to be <laughs> figuring out like wasting precious materials but yeah i think definitely that and also the like sub stories that you can do are also very they're very interesting when you've already played the main game because now it's like you get to sort of like fill in the world but they're mm -hmm. also kind of like for the most part i feel like most of the requests you get are pretty basic stuff um sure so like the game itself is pretty chill yeah nice um that's fantastic uh and sort of lastly when it comes to like the we talked about you know like the setting and some of the context of your life but i wanted to open it up um, is there anything else about the context when you had this time with the game that you'd like to highlight, whether it's from that original time or even the time where you revisited it? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it was just like it was a um, when I was playing it the first time. Yeah, it was like I was sort of very broke adjacent and kind of like needed a um, little relaxation which was good and then a similarly was kind of the same with like p pandemic related stuff where i kind of like yeah needed it as a um as a break of sorts yeah. but yeah i guess um i'm yeah i think so also i i think i'm not sure if that answered the question or if you can rephrase no. the question you you we pretty much did. I was just wondering if there was more like context, whether broader specific that the uh, time you played this game is that you wanted really. to include. More so, yeah, I mean it was more so just like um I was uh, yeah, not not really any more context than cool. just sort of like I needed kind of an, a, a nice little escape to yeah. play it and I had it. It was I, great. I feel like even with that, you know, continuing a pattern of me like wanting to ask you stuff you're answering more because i was gonna ask like if you could just wrap up your feelings and put a little bow on it but it feels like you've kind of done that i mean if there's anything else you want to say about the game or the time like the floor is open otherwise like i think you did it um, not really other than to say i mean if like i guess yes even if anybody is listening and it even sort of like peaks your interest at all that definitely to play it um Oh, and then try and play also the second. I mean, if you enjoy it, then play the second game too. Because I feel like if, um, you know, that may dictate if ever there were be a third game. But it's just like a fun game in general, I would say. And there's not like there is complexity added later on, but it's pretty mm. like easy to jump into. So I feel okay, like cool. if if anybody were listening and were to think to like play it that certainly should give it a shot because it's like it's pretty enjoyable and um is like a nice you know distraction or a little sort of like world to get in and i also don't think it's like super expensive compared yeah. to 
other games now, which are now all like seventy bucks. Yeah, it seems like it's uh, it like we we were talking about. It's on a lot of platforms, so it, it seems pretty available. And and I'll even just say like. I am one of those people who like doing research for this game, finally diving into what is Nino Kuni. I'm incredibly interested. So if and when I get to it, I'll be sure to update you on my on my progress. And then my friend who hasn't seen any of the uh, any Studio uh, Ghibli movies, I'll I'll update you on their progress as well. Yes, let me know how either, how those two separate people uh, feel about all of it. Yes, there's also will. speaking of cats. There's also one like. In Nino Kuni 2, some of the like villages have like animal kingdom, so it's like the Khalifa huh. is sort of in the like sand area, but there's like a cat king. Okay. Because um, a part of the game is sort of like um, the bad feelings that people have, you have to sort of like fight them to remove sort of that, the like dark hearts from them it's it's a little complicated and like that's part of what the side games are is it's like you gain confidence from someone so that you can then give confidence to someone else oh gotcha interesting it's like you have a little necklace that has different like emotions so uh you have the ability to like see when people have uh, an abundance of it so you can like take it from them and put there and then give it to other people who are just sort of interesting. like oh so sad um, <laughs> but that's yeah it's interesting and also it's like kind of funny too just the sort of like bluntness of which they're like yeah you give um, it just it's just I think a, a funny way that it's like a, a, an American story studio probably wouldn't have been able to sort of like think of that for um, sure and it's just sort of like more of the like exceptionalism of those kinds of studios i think but yeah it's it's definitely fun and i think the the sequel game is pretty fun too it's like not as there's not the animations from the first one from studio ghibli but it is still enjoyable i felt like um it's just like not as much it's it's sort of its um own thing it's it's not like this first game that's out more of like a marriage of the two gotcha studio ghibli sort of like own game uh but yeah okay. that's what i would say awesome well hey we got a little more to do but thank you for bringing this game on to discuss it was really fun to hear from you uh it, it just an absolute blast and only made me want to play it more um we'll lead us into the final couple segments of the show the first of which is the Fact Me by Your Game segment, and this is just where I'm going to share some fun facts with you about the game you brought on today. Perfect. So, the first one I have, uh, I have titled, uh, Pre-Order Sales Must Be High. Uh, And now, a little uh, anecdote I have here is, to spur pre-order game sales uh, for Nino Kuni, uh, Namco Bandai collaborated with several retail outlets to provide a special edition version of the game, which is very, very common now, um, with extra features and content. Uh, Daphne, I, you, I know. Just give me a minute. I'm, we're almost there, okay? You can hear my cat uh, just trying to get my attention. <laughs> anyway, um, the Wizards edition of the game includes a unique case packaging and uh, the Wizard Companion book. Uh, a drippy plush doll. Is that the creature that follows him around? 
Yes, it's okay. named Drippy because of the the tears that drip from his eyes after his mother <laughs> dies. Oh, that is depressing. It's a very tense game. It's um, such a fun game. <laughs> uh, it also included, you know, some uh, downloadable content. Um, and yeah, just but so anyway, they were like really the publishers were really focused on pre order sales, so they you know released a special edition with some stuff with it uh, at the time. Uh, and then the second fun fact I have, I have titled. Don't be hasty. Now, Level 5 uh, collaborated with Studio uh, Ghibli, as we've been talking about, to produce some of the uh, animated sequences, the cutscenes, uh, and the game features uh, graphics and visuals replicating the traditional style of the studio, which we've been talking about uh, ad nauseum, pretty much. Um, the collaboration began, so this is a little backstory on how it happened, um, when musician uh, Naoya... Uh, Fujimaki, who had previously worked with both companies, introduced Level 5 president Akihiro Hino to Studio Ghibli president uh, Toshio Suzuki. So at the time, um, the studio had just re- uh, completed work on Ponyo, which came out in 2008, and the team had no ongoing projects, which influenced Suzuki's decision to collaborate with Level 5. Um, another influencing factor of the collaboration was witnessing Hino's passion for the project. Being uh, being a uh, uh, Nino Kuni, um, Studio uh, Ghibli uh, or Ghibli Gib GIF. It's a GIF GIF situation over here with me. Uh, approach the production process in the same way that they would creating an animated film, and I think there's something like 20 minutes of like cutscenes in that 2D gorgeous style. I believe that they so. Do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you can probably find compilations of them even on YouTube if like you don't want to just play the game, but you yeah. want to see those cutscenes. I think that originally, I don't know who it was, a part of the team predicted. They're like, oh, it should take about three months. And, of course, it takes way longer than three months to animate uh, this 20 minutes of gorgeous cutscenes from the game. Um, but that'll do it for the Fact Me Buy Your Game segment. And I'll lead us into the final one, the game recommendations. Now, Matt, this segment is my one forced tie-in to the movie Call Me By Your Name, of which this podcast almost shares the exact same name of and is influenced by. So I'm going to treat... Uh, Nino Cooney, as your passionate summer love, the fling you have in Italy uh, that burns so bright that it, it has to come to an end. So these next three recommendations for you are all going to be potential flings that I'm trying to set you up with to get over this heartbreak. How does that sound? Okay. that's uh, uh, You know what? I'm ready to love again. So let's hey, do it. So that's what I wanted to hear, partner. All right. So the first rec of three recommendations that I have is if you love the studio level five, they're your bag. But you would rather play a game from them that has more puzzles and mysteries afoot. I'll recommend any of the Professor Layton games. Have you played any of those? Um, I'm aware of them. I have not played them. And I know that Ooh. one of them does have a crossover with Phoenix Wright, yes. I believe. Your boy Phoenix. Um, well, there. I've only played the original game on the DS, uh, Professor Layton in the Curious Village. It's fantastic. Uh, and I, I, I mean... No pressure, but just so you know, I have an extra copy of that game somehow and an extra DS. So if you ever want to play it, just let me know. Okay. Um, uh, Now, uh, your second recommendation. If you just need a gorgeous classic action RPG, the action RPG elements of this game is what you love the most. I'll recommend The Secret of Mana, uh, originally a Super Nintendo release. You aware of this one? Oh, yeah. I've played that game before. It's great. Oh, there we Um, go. Yeah, I have a, um, I have this like emulator-ish device that's called like a Superboy that's basically yeah. like a portable 
Super Nintendo. So the two games I had for that were um, Secret of Mana and Earthbound. Oh um, my gosh. But yeah, I've played both of those. And then also, I think that they made a reboot of that for either like the PS4 or the PS5 or like one of the yes. other Mana games. I did play one of those two recently. Very fun. Oh, cool. Uh, I love it. And I am familiar with the Superboy. Uh, uh, lastly, your final recommendation is if instead of having a game developed for the DS be made and remastered for the PlayStation 3, if you want that going in reverse, if you want a PS3 game to be converted to a DS, and that's that's really what you need in your life at this point, I'll recommend to you a game that it's technically originally was released on the PS2 and it was re-released for the 3DS, not the DS. I'll recommend a game you brought up today, Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. Mm. That was actually exactly what I was thinking too as you were saying that. I was yes. Like, oh, that sounds like <laughs> Metal Gear Solid to me. Yeah, I don't know if there's another one that even fits the category or the criteria, but uh, yeah, if you want that reverse of uh, of almost like a, not a quite a D-make, but uh, you get what I'm saying. Then I'll, rec- I'll wrap up your recommendations uh, by re- reading them off again. We have today Professor Layton in the Curious Village. We have The Secret of Mana and Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. Matt, that'll bring us to the end of the recommendations, and that'll actually bring us to the end of the show. So before we go today, just wanted to say again, thank you so much for bringing this game on and, and coming on the podcast. It was so much fun to hear from you. Sure. Yeah, I definitely I had a great time being here. Thank you for having me. And um, definitely let let me know, you know, it seems like this is going to spur you and other people to play it. So definitely know what you let me know what you think about it, because it's very enjoyable to me. I definitely will. Uh, I'll, uh, about this game and, you know, I'll, when my friend shares about, you know, watching some of the movies from the studio, I'll let you know as well. Um, yes, it, his friend, yes. <laughs> well, on the way out, I know you plugged a couple things up top, but do you want to plug those or anything else uh, as we head out today? Um, yeah, let me plug – well – it could I don't, be even social media or just Herald Night, whatever yeah. you'd like. Uh, yeah, well, I can't plug exact date because I don't know. But yeah, just um, Herald Night, come and see us. Gag is team name. Great team. Um, yes, please come. And and then, honestly, if you're going to if you're gonna come and see Gag, you might as well stay for the next chunk as well. And if you don't, then it's kind of um, not considered cool. And everybody yes. in the Herald, you know, community is really like, that's not cool. I don't know if you want to do it. You know? We're writing um, down names if you watch just one Herald team and don't see the second one. We're writing down names. Yeah, exactly. Oops, sorry. You're all good. That is. Um, someone from Fort Lauderdale trying to call me. Um, <laughs> we shall see. Who knows that if that if it turns out that that was like the publisher, that would have been crazy. But I feel like <laughs> I don't know many publishers based out of Fort Lauderdale. Yes. Um, but yes, I would say um, gag, possibly book that just was now undone just in that second. Yeah. Um, but yes, see us at um, Herald Knight and also um, Cage Match, the first and third wednesday at 10 p.m of every month come see that again now we're um 
it's Artoon, Taruko, and myself yes. as the three co-hosts. And we just had our first um, show with them uh, last week, which was great. Artoon is uh, just like a great addition and performer in general. And yeah, really enjoy just performing also with Taruko in general so it's it's been a lot of fun um also very excited that we switched our outfits from referee outfits to just capes because those did get very hot uh, (laughs) i can imagine under the lights i think the hotness of the ucb lights is not talked about enough in the community and it really should be because it's it's getting hot on it's hot up on that stage. You That's know? right. Let's, we're going to write Mr. Uh, Gondor an email uh, pretty soon, uh, former guest of the show. Um, well, uh, Matt, thank you for uh, thank you for coming on again. I'll, I'll just close this out with some plugs of my own. Sure. All right. The cover art for Call Me By Your Game is done by Glenn J. You can find him and his other great work on Instagram at Glenn with two N's dot J A. Why? Don't forget the show is all over social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Blue Sky. Follow us there to see what we've got going on every week, our new episodes, and how to support our guests. Uh, this show is produced, edited, and the music is by Jeremy Schmidt. If you want to give him a little thank you, a tip of your cap, some might even say, some being me all the time, check out his show, Video Games, a comedy show, a podcast you can get anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can follow me on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at Connor underscore mccabe although on blue sky it's just connor mccabe i sometimes stream on twitch at twitch.tv slash cons is cool 69 and lastly again folks if you like me and the conversations i have with people about video games you're gonna love what you find over at patreon.com slash super npc radio and if you don't have enough podcasts in your life you want bonus stuff again at the ten dollar dj toad tier you get three bonus podcasts a week uh, one of those, uh, once a month, I do a roundtable style group episode, a Call Me By Your Game co-op episode where I have a group of people on to discuss a meaningful game or a game that we all recently played. Um, and coming out, uh, you know, the the day before this on our Patreon is an episode about Super Monkey Ball 2, originally a GameCube release. That's a episode, co-op episode 39. So there's 39 of those bad boys living up there. Again, you know where to find that. There's a link in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Call Me By Your Game. We will see you on the next one.